Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 73. Today we're being joined by Chris of Revolutionary Canine. Let's get him pulled up. What's going on here? <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Some technical issues this morning. Yeah. It's all right. Recording in progress. <coughs> Recording in progress. Where's the video? It's connecting. Cannot hear it yet. <coughs> Connected to audio. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Do you got your? Are you able to pull your video up? Let me, uh, there, there we, we go. go. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's happening, yeah, man? Going? Man, dude, I am down here. Oh, I am down here in South Georgia, trying to stay out of the. It's already like a hundred degrees down here. Oh Jesus! So yeah. I'm just gonna hang out in the car for a little bit while I chat with you guys. Hell yeah, yeah. It was like uh, it was like ninety something up here yesterday. I think so. We're we're experiencing uh, some blistering hot heat as well. So, Man, <clears throat> well, hell yeah, dude. We're we're happy we got you on finally here. Sorry, we're running a couple minutes behind on our end. Yeah, <laughs> we got getting a, getting a slow start up here today. So. Um, Cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, listen, I mean, obviously, so uh, we've known each other for, you know, probably what, three, four, well, 2018, I think is the first time we talked, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So um, you've really created a, a pretty freaking cool thing over there with Revolutionary. I mean, it's been it's been like a lot. It seemed like a lot of growth in a short period of time that you guys have seen. Yeah, I, you know, I it was it's one of those things. 2018 is exactly when it was because yeah. um, I come from a, um, a fitness background, like, you know, you and I discussed in the, in the very beginning. And I kind of yeah. just fell into dog training after I sold the gym that I had, uh, I was going to take off a couple months. I was interviewing with some big companies to do one of those deals where I go into, um, factories and, and, and larger companies and talk to them about health and wellness. Yeah. And if that was in my background, that's what I went to school for. I was like, yeah, we'll do that. And then it, it started to get to me to where, I didn't want to go talk to somebody about health and wellness if they really didn't want yeah. to hear about it, you know? So, um, it, I just said, I'm going to take the next couple months mm -hmm. off. I'll see what I'm going to do. I made a good, I, I did okay with the sale of the gym. So I had some time, yeah. uh, and I would work on the house and I literally would go to Lowe's every other day, buy supplies, come back and work on the house. And that's just kind of what it did. I turned into Bob Vila for like three and I was at the, uh, I was at Lowe's with my, one of my Rottweilers and I still have him. Um, and he's, you know, very well-trained off leash. Um, I trained bird dogs back in the day. So I had a concept of how to train a pet dog, uh, and a bird dog. But, um, so I just trained him, but he would go to me, he would go with me to Lowe's every day. And the funny thing about this is we were, him and I were walking through the aisles. He was off leash. I was just grabbing stuff, putting it on my cart. And this guy kept following me around. Um, and a, about the fifth aisle that we were on together, I just kind of looked and my personality won't let me not say anything. So sure. I said, man, we must 
you know, we must have the same list. Uh, <laughs> every time I turn around, you're, you're right behind me. And he's like, no, man. He's, and we chuckled about it. But he said, uh, man, honestly, I'm just watching your dog. He's like, I've never seen a Rottweiler out in public because um, down here we have an immense amount of pit bulls, Rottweilers, but they all have very negative connotations, you know, when it comes to sure. the breeds. So <clears throat> he said, I'd never seen a dog like that out in public, let alone off the leash and doing everything that he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I ask you who trained him? And I said, well, I trained him. And so about that time, he, he sat there for a second. He said, so you're a dog trainer? I said, no, I'm not a dog trainer. I just train my own dog. Um, and he was like, man, would you be interested in training my kind of Corso? And I was like, yeah, I've got nothing to do. You know, he's like, well, what would you charge for that? I was like, I don't even know, you know? <laughs> and so I, I don't know, man, give me a couple hundred bucks and a bag of dog food. And we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll call. And so the day that was on a Sunday, the next day, Monday, he brought that dog out to, out here to my house, uh, before I had any kennels, I didn't even have a crate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he brought this dog to me, gave me a, gave me 200 bucks and a bag of dog food. And the dog stayed with me for two weeks. I literally just did the same exact thing, just piddled around the house with this dog, took yeah. him out in public. Um, and the guy came and picked the dog up. I did what is now our take-home sessions with him. I said, man, this is – and it was really a whole bunch of this is what I would do. You know, like yeah, it's sure. kind of uh, – I didn't really speak from a, posi- um, uh, a position of authority or as a professional. I just said, hey, man, you know, this is what you can do in the meantime or whatever. Yeah. And the dog turned out very, very well. So he was super excited about it. He ended up telling a handful of people. Uh, they called my cell phone and go, hey, uh, looking for the dog trainer. Yeah. I was like, well, I, I, I guess that's me. So and next thing you know, they started bringing their dogs. And those people told more people. And those people told more people. And that was about the time I said, you know, we got to get a name. We got to figure out a name. We got to get some insurance if I'm going to have everybody else's dogs on the property. Yeah. And, and I started seeking out people that were in the industry that I um, saw that they knew what they were doing uh, and which you were one of those. And so that's when I reached out to you and said, Hey, um, would you, would it be cool if we had a conversation, you know, do like a personal training session where you just kind of walk me through some general uh, concepts of owning a dog training business. And then we kind of went from there and that, that really, um, after we had that conversation, I started implying, you know, implementing some of the, the things that you were talking about. And then I found some schools to get into. I found some seminars to go to. I found some clinics to go to. And me having an addictive personality was perfect because I just jumped in with two feet and I started rolling with it. And at this point we have, um, we, we train 20, we run 20 boarding trains through our monthly four week boarding train. Um, and we try to keep it to where there's 15 adult dogs and like, five to six puppies yeah. right because we have a puppy imprinting program and i've got a staff of eight now yeah and um i have been very fortunate to have surrounded myself with really good people very responsible people and it's allowed me to get away from the pets just a little bit and i've gotten into uh detection narcotics explosive detection tracking uh matter of the fact this morning um we are having oh no uh-oh we're frozen. <clears throat> oh, and we were just out tracking this morning. Yeah. And um, it's really allowed for me to step away from pets just a little bit. I still have my hands in it enough. Yeah, sure. to make sure that 
everything is good to go. And I do, I still do all the intake. I still do all the, the take home stuff right now. But, um, but yeah, so we have, we've grown leaps and bounds, man, where we have the, we've have several dogs now in departments, um, some local, which is really cool because they yeah. get to come every week and train here. But, um, but yeah, ever since we spoke originally, I would say things have just been skyrocketing. Um, and I think I got into it at a good time because now it seems like everywhere you turn, there's a new dog trainer popping up, Yes. Uh, but they don't necessarily want to go through the same, uh, the same steps that I took and probably you took, yeah. uh, and to gain that knowledge base. Yeah. And, and I think they're trying to jump into it, uh, a little bit prematurely and say, Oh, I can take all of this yeah. and do exactly what David's doing, do exactly what Miracle's doing or do exactly what Revolutionary Canine is doing. And that's just not the case if you don't have that, that base of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's interesting. Cause like, you know, you, you kind of have your, your two types of avenues you can go as a dog trainer, right? So you have the, uh, you have the avenue that a lot of the people you'll see online now are taking, which is they basically run a dog training business out of their house, right? They take in two or three board and trains at a time. They go out, they do one-on-one -on -one sessions and they are working all the time, right? And listen, like, I mean, we're working all the time and stuff like that, but you've found a way, and what we've tried to do is we found a way to scale it, right? Where we've actually created a business, you know what I mean? And a, a business that we could work on and help to, uh, you know, assist as many owners, as many dogs, create opportunities and jobs for people, obviously, uh, and kind of go through those motions with things. And that was one of the things I was really interested uh, to speak with you about because you've grown that so quick, you know? And a lot of this, I think one of the first or second times we had spoken, you know, your background in the gym things really helped you a lot because you had the business side of things kind of down where like I was coming into it. I had no business experience, so I had to make a ton of freaking mistakes as far as the growing, the scaling side of things uh, where you were able to really hit the ground running with that. And it seemed like you had a pretty clear trajectory and path with where you wanted to go with it. So how did the growth part kind of start with you? Obviously, you started. I'm just doing it out of my house. I'm taking a couple boarding trains in. I'm working with dogs. At what point did you see, okay, we need to hire help. We're going to hire additional trainers now. Like, how did you justify and kind of uh, plan those things in your mind? So everything is a zero plan, yeah, right? Sure. I have, uh, I appreciate you saying, yeah, it seemed like you had a pretty good idea about, you know, what, what's going on in your trajectory and things of that nature. But uh, keep in mind, when I opened the gym in 08, mm -hmm. during a recession, sure, right? But I literally, everything I do is out of uh, uh, two things. Well, which everything in life is derived around fear of some, at some point, right? Yeah. Fear mm -hmm. of having fear of not being able to do whatever fear of, you know, this, that, and the other. So I was a personal trainer at a gym and I literally started doing the math. I was like, look, I'm paying this guy 60% of my take just to be inside of his facility and I'm using my own equipment, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I was calisthenics, I was big into kettlebells, flipping tires, things of that nature, stuff that I would buy from a hardware store. These, sure. you know, soccer moms would come in and they'd bang on a tire with a sledgehammer for 30 <laughs> minutes and pay me up, you know? Yeah. But uh, one of those things that I was able to create a culture with that, that uh, people just wanted to do. And then I, I quickly realized, man, man, this, you know, they're paying X amount of dollars. I'm only getting this and I'm not using anything out of this gym. So, yeah. uh, it, man, it got to the point to where, cause my wife at the time was not working. Uh, she was 100% going to school. So I was the 100% bringing in the total income of, of the house. And dude, I was literally 
I, I guarantee you, man, I was 30 days away from getting my truck repossessed. Yeah. You know, that's just kind of because everything was being stretched so thin. Yeah. Uh, and it, I just had to make a move, you know, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to tell every, all of my clients, I, I will be at this address to train. If you want to train, come to this address, but bring them. I will, I will make good on all the money that you paid the gym. So if you still have sessions left over, I will do those and yep. you'll just get gym money there. Um, but after that, those sessions are up, you will pay me and you will pay for the entire month. So if you're training twice a week, you're going to pay me for eight sessions, yeah. uh, whatever. And so man, dude, 99% of all my clientele did that. And so right off the bat, I immediately went from, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay my car payment to, wow, there's, you know, $15,000 in the bank account, you know? And so sure. from there I was able to, uh, buy more equipment. You know, I, I was no longer robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I, and I started to, the business. So when it, when that came into the dog training world, I literally, cause I'm, I can be super ghetto. Like when you don't grow up with a whole lot, you can make anything work. Sure. Right. So, uh, I took on this first board and train and the 200 bucks that he gave me, I went and bought a crate. Yeah. Right. Crate. Um, and I bought some leashes and other things. Like just, I spent that whole 200 bucks on, on that dog. Yeah. So I made sure. zero money dog but then what that did is that set me up so when the next dog came in i bought another crate yeah and next dog came in now i was making money right because uh or you know somewhat making money i can remember you saying got to raise your rates you can't continue to operate for you know a hundred dollars a week yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah i think you were charging like was like four hundred dollars for like a two-week board train or something like that (laughs) yeah it was that was actually me going you know i was scared to death but uh where i really started seeing growth and where um i really figured i needed some help with this thing was one day i had totally i didn't have a system i didn't have anything in place yeah all i will call hey can you train my dog yes bring your dog like there was no uh there was no monthly sign up there was no kind of infrastructure for me to keep up with anything and dude i literally walked i can i'll never forget this day I walked, I got up in the morning, I went downstairs where I have a two car garage that's been bricked in and I had 23 dogs <laughs> and I was like, fuck, it's a lot. <laughs> it, it's too much. Dude. Right? I, so I had that same moment one time. I remember we opened our, uh, second, f- second facility at the time. Right. So like we had one on like the east side of Cleveland, one on the west side of Cleveland and the west side of Cleveland one, I was going to kind of spearhead it. Right. And I moved into that space. So it was basically like I was, you know, working out of my house. Right. And I remember, I think it was day two in that space. We moved all the board and trains and stuff over there. And that was going to be like the behind the scenes training facility. And same deal. I remember walking downstairs. I woke up in the morning and all the dogs are freaking out. And I walked downstairs and same deal. I think there were, I think at the time there was like maybe 12 dogs there, 13 dogs there, something like that. And I remember just like having like this mental breakdown for, for like, for like 10 minutes where I was just like, what the fuck did I just get myself into kind of thing? Yeah. Cause I keep in mind, I jumped into things originally back in, was it 2015, maybe something like that with a business partner, with a couple employees already and stuff like that, where, you know, I was working a shit ton, right? But I had support the whole time. So it was kind of like taking a step back to 
you know, experiencing what you had to experience at the very, very beginning of things. And that was an extremely humbling moment to me, you know? And that was when I really realized also, like, <clears throat> creating a business, right, and and having help and, and not doing things myself, like, all of those types of investments you can make in your company, how impactful those things are, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, like, you know, not having eight employees, right? You, at this point, you probably couldn't physically get all the work done, obviously. But like, you know, you could, you know, reduce the numbers a little bit and keep your profits a little bit higher and put more money in your pocket. But it's like, man, that like quality of life of just working 24-7 and just having the nonstop freaking requirement, especially in an industry like the dogs where you you have to care for them throughout the entire day, obviously. It's extremely overwhelming, you know? Uh, and I... I I think one of the number one things that I have like newer trainers call me about is getting help, right? Like, you know, how do I start to bring employees on, right? How do I alleviate some of that like pressure that I'm feeling, you know, throughout this and stuff like that? Um, so yeah, yeah, anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so you had that moment, you walked down 23 dogs, obviously, holy shit, what's going on here? Got to get some help. Yeah. That, how you had that <laughs> mental breakdown, that was exactly the same thing yeah. I, I experienced and I'm a, I feel like I'm a mentally strong individual. Sure. Like and yeah, yeah. once I got to that point and it was like, and I was sitting there and all these dogs were barking. I, I look around the room, you know, a dog's looking out the crate like this with a big old pile of shit on his nose. <laughs> it's not, this is not going to be good for me yeah. uh, to continue to do this. Um, so what I started doing at that point is I continued, uh, just a second. I might have an, hold on a second. Hold on for me. A second. Yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. I'm on the podcast. What's up? He's probably in the, the crate. Yep. Okay. Yes. I guess I just think I'm sitting in my car in the AC. I don't know. <laughs> <He's just> relaxing. <laughs> yeah. Get back to work, Chris. Come on. Hey, I to take a phone call around <laughs> 10 or so. I'll be in my car and then he comes up and he's like, Oh, I didn't know you were on the phone. It, it's, <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, but back to what I was saying at that moment, yeah. it was, uh, it was a very surreal. Okay. Now you, I mean, what are you going to do now? It's not like you yeah. can, there's nobody coming, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of been auto for life is like, there's nobody coming to yeah. help you. You just need to deal with this. Um, but David, that's the thing, man. I love that pressure. Sure on it um but at the same time i have this sense of if something's going to mess up it's going to 100 be on me 100 uh, want to have that i don't want to be able to say well so and so didn't do so and so like it's 100 on me so when yeah. when i had that moment i did i walked out of the room for just a second yeah i got my crap like i had that mental like hey man you gotta do this yeah. what you gotta do this is a lot and it yeah. literally man we did, i just started rolling <laughs> And, um, do the whole, like if we, <laughs> I swear to God, man, if one of those dogs would have had like an intestinal parasite, they would have all had it because I was just covered yeah. in <laughs> and I'm grabbing dogs and slinging them and we were going. And, and, you know, after that, because after that two week period, I was like, <laughs> never again, I have that yeah. experience. hundred so, percent. Yeah. So I, uh, I want to say we even had our second phone call after that. And it was at that moment I was like, you know what? I'm going to price, not to not to say this in a in a demeaning way, but I'm going to price some of these people out of this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to price myself to where it's not. I don't have so many dogs, and the dogs I do have, I know I'm making. It's it's well worth it. It's, you know it's what gotta, I mean? So yeah, it's got to be. That, but 
And it was after that moment where I said, okay, I've got to start getting a system in place. So I, um, that's where our property is. We have 14 outdoor runs with fans and beds and things of that nature. And I actually started building my property from right to left. So I would take the dogs out of the house, put them into the outdoor runs on concrete with their, their mats. And that would be a way for me to have a little bit of reprieve. Yep. And I started dogs going out there. I would get all the dogs out. I would make sure they had fresh water, do their thing. And then I would train them right back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I had to have baths, I would bathe them right there in the kennel, dry them off real good, do a training session and take them right back inside. So it, I developed this systematic approach to training that many dogs uh, where it wasn't so, so aggravating. And then once I got through that time uh, in my life, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try to find somebody to help, but I have, I have to find somebody that understands the system that I'm teaching. So it was very fortunate for me at the time that I had a young girl that brought her dog through the program. So she came and visited and she came and did the handler sessions and things like that with me really started to grasp the concept. And so I just pitched the idea, Hey, look, you know, would you like to work here? And, uh, she was like at your house. And I was like, yes. And so we eventually, uh, she hired her on. And so now I had that one other person and we built a training little training building. We've got a uh, 50 by 30, uh, building that is insulated AC and all that kind of fun stuff. So, uh, she basically helped me work through all this dogs. And then from there, we started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. She's no longer with the company, but, uh, but from that spawned getting more employees and being able to pay them a competitive rate. Um, and that way it's, it's less hassle on everybody Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And as you started, so, so obviously one person, eight people, like that's a pretty significant jump. I think right now we're at like 14 or something like that. And, and some of those are just like bookkeeper, you know, media, things like that, obviously. What, um, what sorts of mistakes do you feel like you made in the hiring process that if you look back on like those first couple employees, like you could have done, uh, better, not necessarily better on the employee, but just better from the standpoint of like the type of help you needed versus the type of help you hired for? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would have had systems, and documents in place for them to sign and understand right off the bat. So uh, my girlfriend, Shay, does very, she's, she's a CPA and she is very um, anal when it comes to documentation, things of that. I mean, to the point to where I just have to walk out sometimes, you know? Uh, So she's like, Hey, do you have this, this, this? And I'm just, I can't handle this. And I walk out because I, I'm not a money. I'm not a money person. I'm not a forms person. I'm not yeah. like, I just work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so, um, she was like, look, I think we need to create, uh, a document that states exactly everything. And I'm, and I'm going to come back to this because I'm going to tell you what, what flipped the switch sure. for this. Um, but, um, but create documents that have a non-compete we have a yeah. and i'll tell you why we had to have that but uh we have to we need to create documents that say this is what is expected of you if you don't with <laughs> this then you have this and we put in a 90-day probationary period yeah in the very beginning it was like let me just get just get help i, I just need to stop the bleeding yeah, yeah. And, and not that the girl that i hired in the beginning wasn't good she just, she wasn't what I would hire now. If sure. she approached me, if that same person approached me now, 
I would, I would definitely pass on it because there were so many looking back, there were so many red flags that popped up um, that I would have easily seen now that I didn't see because I was so blinded by, I need to just have some help. Yeah. You know? Um, and so the, the, the thing we have now, everybody signs a non-compete. Uh, it is very solid. Uh, everybody is brought into this thing with a sense of um, ownership. They are brought in with, this is our culture. You have 90 days to figure out if this is what you want to do or not. Like, and we have 90 days to figure out if you are the right fit. And up until that 90 days, at any point, we can say, hey, it's not working out. Yeah. Uh, it's not me, it's you. And we just go about our separate ways. But um, but that would be the biggest thing that I, I would know now going into the hiring process. I once put an ad out on Facebook that said, um, we're now hiring. If you are interested, send your resumes to this email address. And it's Chris at revolutionary Um, I got, dude, I probably got 75 to a hundred people interested in a job. Yeah. Okay. Um, I held interviews and not one of them fit the bill for what I needed. Um, and I was like, this is a mess. So I'm sorting through all these emails and, uh, people calling and people doing this. And of course the big kicker was the fact they were messaging him on messaging me on Facebook. When I clearly said, send your resume to this email, right? <laughs> so whenever I'd get a Facebook, I would just delete it because they didn't send the email. Right. Yeah. So they couldn't follow the directions. So we obviously, obviously don't want that in the <laughs> flooded with all this stuff. Sure. And, um, and I didn't find anybody. And maybe like one person out of a hundred I would hire. And I, and I think I did, but, um, but the second time I did that on the Facebook post, it said looking for someone for blah, 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 must have this, this, uh, we work hard. It is hot. There are gnats. There are this, you'll be cleaning kennels. You'll be feeding dogs. You'll be this, you'll be yeah. this. And I listed out this whole thing. Yeah. More clear people. job description. Yeah. 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 And yeah. two people, and and I think it's because they read it and they were like, holy crap, this guy, like they work out there. Like yeah. this is not just I'm playing with puppies on AstroTurf with fake fire hydrants and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's like actual work. Yeah. And so I had people reach out and I hired both of them and yeah, they're yeah. still here and they're great. Uh, with the exception of the one guy that came up to the window and said, <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's uh, interesting is, is just that, right? So like a lot of people look at like, oh, you know, Miracle Canine Training is hiring. I want to be a dog trainer. You know, I want to yeah, play with dogs, whatever, any number of those types of things without realizing like how little of that it really is, right? Like you're in the, the industry or you're in the business of like facility maintenance typically, like when you're working here, right? You're in the business of, uh, yeah, cleaning a lot of gross things and you're in the industry of customer service, right? Uh, and typically speaking, like with all, almost all of our trainers um, have kind of had to more or less like pay their dues, like going through all of those like more difficult sides of things before getting to the role of like sole dog trainer. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, being really black and white about that stuff in the in the initial hiring process is really important. And then the other thing too is, you know, figuring out what motivates each individual person. I, I found that to be huge because like obviously, you know, we've went through a lot of kennel techs, a lot of, you know, uh, assistant trainers, things like that over the years. And uh, as long as, you know, 
nobody wants to be in a position of cleaning kennels forever, obviously, but if there's some sort of path to this is how you can get closer and closer to what it is that you actually want to do, uh, a lot of people are going to be a lot more willing to put in the hard work initially to kind of pay their dues for that stuff, you know? Um, how much of your staff is like dog trainer versus like just, you know, kennel help and stuff like that? So we're much different than that. Everybody wears different hats yep. here. So, um, and I think the big kicker on that is I don't mind cleaning kennels. Sure. I don't actually, it's, I, there's something oddly rewarding about the pressure washer spraying dire away, <laughs> you know? You started with a mud pile and now you have clean floor again. Yes. Like there's something uh, grossly rewarding about that. So I actually clean a ton of kennels because sure. I enjoy it. Right. So, but I think it's part of the fact that I am doing that so much And my general, my first conversation with somebody is, is, is just, it goes just like this. Look, this is what the job requirements are. This is what we do on a daily basis. Uh, we all work together. I, even though I pay these individuals, I never say they work for me. They sure. work with me. Yep. Right. Um, and I feel, and I try to create that culture of ownership and team, the team atmosphere, things of that nature. But, um, but everybody does everything. And now when they first get here, all they do is clean kennels and feed dogs. That's it. Yep. And they, I show them how I clean the kennel, you know, the steps that I take to clean the kennel. I let them replicate that. And I say, okay, there's 40 of these that you need to do like this and I'll check back with them. And so for the first, maybe two weeks, they are breaking dogs, uh, to go out to potty. They're feeding dogs they're giving dogs water and they're cleaning kennels. And that's, that's it before I let them actually touch a dog. And once they're here for about two to three weeks, I say, okay, let's sit down and let's talk about, uh, reward mark or like, uh, marking behavior and what a clicker is and what a prong collar is and what an e-collar is. Let's discuss this. And then throughout the day and throughout the next week, I'm basically giving them little pop quizzes here and there about stuff from the mental aspect, from the knowledge base aspect of things. And then we start to apply that to the dog. So I'll give them usually a dog that, um, is a rescue or something or one of my personal dogs and I'll have them work that dog and I'll watch them because I want to give them a dog that already has the foundation and all they have to do is mark and reward and mark and correct behavior. Right. Yeah. And so I make sure their timing is good. Uh, but it's probably a, I dare say it's at least a two month process before they're even touching client dogs with any kind of correctional device or any kind of responsibility on them to make sure they're marking wanted behavior in a timely fashion. And of course, marking unwanted behavior and correcting. Um, but everybody does everything like the young, the gentleman that uh, came to the window a little while ago, I'm actually starting to put him into a groomer's apprenticeship. So I've got a groomer that comes out every once in a while. And I've just noticed that he has really done well with bathing dogs and brushing them out and drying them and things of that nature. And I just approached him and said, Hey man, would this be something you'd be interested in doing? If so, we will build a structure for you to have a tub, a dryer, you know, this, that, and the other. I said, and I'll send you to classes and schools and things of that nature to get the ball rolling. He was super excited about it. So, um, that's the kind of route we're taking with him. Now that is a little bit of a specialty, even though we all wash dogs, once he becomes certified, being a groomer, he will be the only one that grooms. Now yep. he'll still train dogs, but he'll be the only one that grooms. Um, so we all wear different hats, uh, but I would say it's at least a two month process before 
uh, I let them actually train a client dog. Yeah. Uh, of course, even then they're training alongside of me. So I'm monitoring this and it, that has really seemed to work out well versus you're just a kennel tech yeah, sure. or you're, you're just that because just like you said, man, everybody sees that 45 second video on Instagram and they're like, yeah. man, being a trainer is so cool. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just like with the, like with the apprehension dogs that we build here, I do a ton of decoying. I'd get to travel around, uh, the nation and people pay me to come and decoy their police dogs. Right. And so I really enjoy doing that and I'll have somebody here and it's, it's like, man, I really want to learn how to decoy. And I said, like, oh, okay, great. You know, well, uh, you know, let me show you a few things and see where it's at. And it's like the first time they get in the suit and we plant and we staple a dog to their arm to show them what a bite feels like. They're like, I don't want to decoy anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it just, it just, a lot of clarity comes in there. So yeah. I tell people all the time, as long as you, your goal is to outwork me. Sure. If you can do that, then you'll be just fine. And I try to lead by example. And there's a lot of times that, cause I live on this property. So uh, a lot of times they don't see like right now they can see, man, Chris is just sitting in the, the AC of the car, just talking on the phone. Right. But they don't see that at uh, five o'clock when everybody goes home, I'm still out here imprinting yeah. puppy. I'm yep. still doing this, still doing that. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into, to the behind the scenes aspect, but I make sure that they see me out. Like my job, my challenge is to outwork everybody else. Yeah. And I think they see that and they're like, man, you know, that's, that's really cool because he's doing everything that he wants us to do. Like at no point would I ever have somebody do something that I have not done a thousand times before. Yeah. And sure. I think starting the company with, from, from the grassroots with me doing all that myself and having those uh, moments, like we were discussed about the 23 dogs in the, in the downstairs. Um, I, those moments prepared me to be able to train and teach other people how to do this because I know, I know what they're going through. Like I know yeah. when they go to the working dog side and all of those laws have freaking, uh, you know, redecorated their crate, yeah. uh, their feces. I, I know what that's like, man. And yeah. so when they come to me and they tell me how horrible it is, I'm just, yeah, I get it. You know, but it's, yeah. it is, it is, they still got to get cleaned, you so, know? So now when you say that, um, you know, obviously everybody kind of wears different hats there and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to the actual training of the individual board and trained dogs, does everybody kind of work with all of the dogs? Is that the way you guys yeah. kind of structure it? So how it works is depending on the dog. So in other words, we do get some, um, we get some legit aggression cases. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can all agree on this conversation that the majority of dogs get misdiagnosed. <laughs> being, right. hundred percent. Yeah. That's the thing. That's that's one thing that really ticks me off. And I don't want to go get on a tangent about this, but <laughs> when Trump will post social media, yeah. Rocco here with severe aggression, yeah. and in two weeks we cured him. I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> it like, work if, that way. Like, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to dress up in like the mustache, and I'm going to bring you an aggressive dog, yeah. and I'm just going to drop it off, and I'll just wait in the parking lot for you to call me, you know, and say, yep. fuck this dog's not this dog doesn't care anything about a food reward yep. but uh but so we get some really aggressive dogs and uh i am the only one that works with those dogs sure you know if, if it has to do with narcotic <clears throat> bite work uh aggression cases uh 
severe fear, anxiety, stuff like that. I'm the only one that really works with those. Now I do have a, a young lady here that has put herself through uh, a, a training school uh, and she's very good at what she does. She helps me out with some of those too. She's a working dog girl. Um, she's got a couple of dogs that she competes in IPG with. And so she's, she's very knowledgeable on that aspect of things. So she'll help me out with those. But as far as just like your everyday doodle or uh, American bred German shepherd or your, you know, labs or whatever, everybody plays a part in that because I believe that as long as the communication system is done properly, then that dog should operate for anyone. Yeah, right. Because for sure. if it, if the dog only operates for me, yeah then we can't run a business around that, yeah. you know? Uh, so the dog has to be able to get on lead. And I tell, I use this example a lot or this analogy. If I spoke fluent Spanish mm-hmm. and you spoke no Spanish, uh, it doesn't matter how slow I enunciate the words, like how, like I, you know, it doesn't matter how slow I am with you. You still never understand what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. But if I talk, let's say eight Spanish words, like we teach sit down, place, heal, hear, yes, no, and free. Okay. So if I teach you eight Spanish words and I only use those Spanish eight words, now we can communicate. Right. So, and it doesn't matter if you have a relationship with me or not, I can, we can still communicate. So that's my theory behind having so many people working with all of these dogs is the fact that as long as everybody knows the system, then the dog should operate for that individual. Uh, so it makes take homes so much easier, right? Because we know that, you know, your fur moms and dads of the world are not going to be able, their timing is going to be terrible. Uh, they're not going to be able to grasp the concept in a one and a half hour, um, you know, or an hour debrief or take home session. So it really helps to have the dog that well-versed in what we're doing for the owner to have that little bit of time to mess up and learn and all that kind of fun stuff too. Yeah. Whereas it'd be able to operate a dog very nicely. And, um, but the dog is hard headed enough or, or smart enough to realize, Oh, this lady doesn't know the system. So I can get one over on her. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. We do have every, we do have everybody at some point working with yeah. dog here for our board and train. I, uh, you know, I think that's cool. We, so we used to do that. Um, we used to have our board and train structured pretty much exactly like that, where, you know, everybody kind of did a little bit of everything. Everybody worked with all the dogs. A couple of issues I remember we ran into while we were doing that, uh, that I'm curious to see if you see or not are one, we would notice that depending on the dog that came in, certain trainers would kind of favor like a couple of the dogs over other ones. And I would start noticing that it's like, well, this person is just consistently working with this dog all the time, right? And they're kind of like, I don't want to say neglecting this one over here, but like this one is not getting as consistent of attention from that person because they like this one a lot more. Uh, We started noticing from a um, client standpoint, the relationship they were developing with the trainer didn't feel as strong because you know, now when we have like one person working with one dog throughout the whole thing, over the course of that dog's entire stay, that person's kind of the point of contact for them. They're already developing this relationship between trainer and client. And then in addition to that, from the owner's mind, they would see like 
wow, it's like this person and this dog are developing such a powerful relationship with each other and they love each other so much. And, you know, the trainer, you know, can kind of see all that dog's individual quirks that they have. And uh, it, it felt like the the relationship bonding side of things was significantly stronger uh, from like an individual standpoint. Uh, and then from a send home lesson standpoint, and this, I think, on our, this was more on us uh, than it was on the structure of having everybody working with the dogs. But when we got down to send home point, it's kind of like, all right, we'd like look around at each other. It's like, well, who's doing the send home lesson with this dog? <laughs> like, you know, who feels like they have developed the strongest relationship with this dog where it's going to go as smooth as possible, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, how do, how do you combat some of those different problems or um, what do you think about some of that? <clears throat> we had a, we had an instance here where, we had one of our girls break protocol with a dog and she got bit pretty good. Yeah. Right. So, and this was a, this was a board and train. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dog's not, the dog was not a hard dog. Sure. Like it held just by looking at her, um, her wounds or whatever that the dog wasn't really out to cause damage. It sure. just, she went into, she went into prey because she was screaming and trying to get away and the yeah, dog yeah. just kept you know, tagging her. And so, she became very fearful of that dog. Well, I am, I am of the nature of if the horse bucks you off, you got to get right back on the horse, man. Sure. You know, and we started to realize that she would not go get that dog. Yeah. Right. Mm. Uh, and so it came to the point where I said, look, uh, person, go get the dog or leave. Like, that's just kind of where we're at. Like, this is not even a working dog. This is just a pet dog. Yeah. You have to get over this fear. And so she was like, okay. And she went and out. I was right there with her yep. and she got the dog out and everything was fine. And it's just like, and we, and you know, this, that as long as you are giving off that presence of a surety, yeah. you're coming out, I'm putting the collar on. That's just how it is. And we're going right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go in there with that hesitancy and that, that anxiety, the dog is going to pick up on that key up on it. And now you're going a totally different direction. Uh, but she went in, she got the dog, everything was fine. She started building that confidence up, but yes, we do have a problem where you will have a a trainer or an employee that will gravitate towards one or two or three dogs because they're either a easier or they just, they feel more comfortable with that or whatnot. And so I do a very good job of, because I'm here yeah. and the lady, the girl that I have managing, we do a very good job of saying, Hey, you're going to get so-and-so you're going to get so-and-so you're going to get so-and-so. Well, I was going to go get, I was going to go get Rocco. You're not getting Rocco right now. Corey's going to get Rocco and you're going to get so-and-so. Right. Mm-hmm. And that way we, we start to break up that because I don't want, I don't want that bond that you're talking about. I don't want, um, from a business standpoint, I don't want clients. I want clients seeing that shield on our sign. I want clients gravitating around the culture that the company has created, not necessarily, Oh, I really like that trainer at revolutionary canine. And now that trainer is getting like Christmas cards and tips and like random things. And it's, and it, and it, cause it's making, it makes the company, I, like, I get where you're going with this. Is that coming? Do you, th- cause, cause these are all fears that I went through as well with this kind of stuff. And inevitably getting back to like, you started talking for a minute, uh, a little bit ago about like, obviously the non-compete and stuff like that is some of that coming from though, like a fear of like that employee just being like, well, 
these people are coming for me now, so I could just go do my own thing? Uh, not so much of fear of that individual leaving and going and starting off their own thing, but I do want the, un- like, for instance, I get people that tag me on Facebook all the time and sure. say, uh, Chris Morell did a phenomenal job on my dog, this, that, and the other. You need to go see Chris and he's the best and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't get into the whole who's best and who's not. There's always somebody that's way better than you are. And so sure. I don't ever do that, yeah. but I'm very quick to say, uh, thank you so much for allowing us to work with fluffy. Yeah. Um, it takes a village. Uh, I appreciate your kind words, but everyone played a part in the training. So sure. I'm very, uh, I've, I'm very adamant about raising up my employees over me, sure. uh, which I feel, I feel like they appreciate, like I would not want 100%. to be, yeah. I, I feel like I wouldn't want to be busting my ass out here and then somebody taking all the credit for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. And I'm very quick to do that, but no, I just meant it from the fact of like, I don't want somebody calling and saying, um, Hey, I need to speak with Chris about my dog. And then let's say Denise is answering the phone and she says, well, what can I help you with? No, I need to speak with Chris. Sure. Like I get it. Cause I'm the one that owns the company, but I don't want that to happen with somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want the person to understand they call the number. They're going to get the help that they need regardless of who answers the phone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, 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 I do totally get where you're going with it. And I would say I, I 100% agree from the standpoint of like, you know, inevitably, like, you know, especially with a lot of the vlog stuff and the podcast and everything, like I'm creating a personal brand at this point where like inevitably there's going to be a little bit of that spotlight on that. But from a training standpoint, like with the dogs in our care, right? Like I, unless it's board and trains that I personally am working with, which I take a handful like myself, cause I like to kind of stay sharp with them and try new things and this and that, whatever. But past that, yeah, I mean, the team is who's doing the work. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really not me. And that's a part of, you know, again, owning, a, owning and creating and scaling a business is if it's consistent consistently happening where you're having people reach out that are like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm only going to talk to Chris about this. I'm only going to talk to David about this stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing something wrong if that's the case. And you're, you're kind of typically feeding into that to some extent. Um, so I, I do totally agree with that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like, it's interesting. Like we've been really pushing, uh, reviews lately, like on Google and stuff like that. And it, I, really really enjoy when I see like I go through the reviews and I see somebody write this just fucking phenomenal review and it's you know they worked with Matt and then there's another one they worked with Michelle and it's another one they worked with Bridget and another one they worked with Seamus and this and that and I'm seeing you know getting back to the ownership side of things right I'm seeing these individuals right trainers create this complete sense of ownership of I am taking full responsibility for this dog and the success of this dog. There's no going back to like with us, right? We can't pass off responsibility on somebody else, right? We are the last line of defense. If something doesn't work, it's our fault kind of thing. That to me is like those people taking that ownership and responsibility of that dog where there's no other trainer they could say, this dog didn't succeed because, you know, your sessions were a little lackluster with it or this dog didn't succeed because of this. And then... You know, you were talking about in the send home lessons, you know, owners, they're sloppy initially. They don't know what to do. They're shifting all of these hard habits and stuff like that that they have that they need to start breaking. And, uh, you know, it's a long process post board and train sometimes for people to find, you know, especially with the more difficult dogs, some of the success that they're looking for. And I like when they have one person that can kind of spearhead like, 
I know every nuanced detail of what's been going on in your home, how the dog worked through certain problems while they were here, you know, the individual and personal hurdles that you've faced as an owner, right? Whether it's your own personal anxiety that's getting in the way or issues you're having at home and stuff like that, uh, to be able to help guide and navigate through them through that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just, it's, it's felt like, it's, it made me feel very vulnerable initially making the switch to that because, like, again, like, I look at those reviews sometimes and I'm like, damn, like, people really like Michelle, Matt, Seamus, and Bridget, which are our four trainers, obviously, right? And at any given point, they could go off and try to do something on their own, and they've already got this list of freaking, like, people that are, like, Team Bridget, Team Matt, Team Seamus. But in the end of the day, they know it's still, you know— it's the umbrella of miracle, right? This is the miracle team that's out there preaching the gospel of what we do, you know? So it does still kind of come back to us, but it, it did make me feel extremely vulnerable with that kind of stuff. And there's definitely hurdles that were presented switching to that as well, as far as, you know, uh, you were saying, you know, I want somebody that's going to call the facility to feel like, you know, they're going to get the help that they need regardless of who picks up the phone. And that's where you just get into like more you know, systems and processes and stuff like that to make sure the messages go to the right people. And then you have time constraints on, hey, this is how long you got to reach back out to this person. Like this per person shouldn't be at home, you know, twiddling their, their, their thumbs for 48 hours waiting for a phone call back on how to help their dog and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there's, I think there's pluses and minuses to both, but, uh, but that's kind of how we've navigated some of that kind of stuff. And that's why I've really enjoyed uh, how we've switched to that. Yeah, and I we may keep in mind I am about what I would guess three, maybe three four years behind you as far as your your professional career as far as the you know so I'm I'm just I'm not there yet and don't know if we have like we don't have uh, a Michelle and a Matt and like a, a yeah, plethora yeah. of people that have that. Um, that, sorry, I had a phone call come in. Awesome. Uh, we have that plethora of people that have that extreme um, knowledge base yet and that have the personality where I would say, yes, yeah. you know, take off with this dog, you know, to um, to go talk to this individual. Yeah. Now, we have a couple of those. Yeah. Um, and we are, we're getting to that point. And inevitably, yes, that's where I would like to be. It's sure. almost like then you can take your Michelle's and your Matt's and your, your people like that and say, okay, I, I would like to open up another location. Yep. Why don't we, why don't we put that person in that location yeah, for sure. and fund that location and then have an incentive program <laughs> where they, you know, they get rewarded more for having the clientele go. And, um, and, but that's just, yeah. Right now, we're, we're just not there yet, well, I well, think. You made a really, really great point a minute ago there where you were talking about how, you know, the, the individual skill level of the trainer obviously plays a huge role in this kind of stuff. Because I, I would say there's something to be said about, especially when you're initially growing your company and bringing on new trainers, and especially if you're going the route of, like, taking people that are more green as opposed to like established dog trainers and being like, we're going to, we're going to get you into the company culture and this and that, which pretty much all of our trainers were that way as well. You know, I, I don't, I typically speaking, don't like taking established trainers and trying to fit them into the mold. Cause I find there's so many habits and stuff you have to go in and then kind of break of what they're used to doing. Unless the person is really good, obviously, uh, and can adapt quickly. Um, but the process of everybody working the dogs together and learning together, like under the guidance of Chris, like 
that is a very that is a very powerful thing. You know what I mean? Because not only are they going to get used to just working with this dog, but they're going to have to adapt every single time they bring out a new dog and be able to look at an individual situation. Like we have a trainer that uh, just went out of town today, right? And some of our one-on-one trainers and myself, we're going to kind of jump in and help take over uh, with their dogs while they're gone for a week, right? And we're going to need to go in and pull that dog out and have a little bit of knowledge of, you know, how far the dog is through the training program. And we could look back on their notes and be like, you know, this is what they've worked on so far and stuff. But we're going to have to look at the dog that's in front of us and be like, what does this dog need right now, regardless of what I think it may know? And I think that's a powerful skill for trainers to learn doing it in the way of everybody working the dogs as well. So uh, I, I don't, for, for you and for anybody else, I don't by any means think it's wrong doing it the way that you're doing it. You know, uh, and I think that there definitely can be a lot of benefit to doing it that way, especially with a younger training staff uh, through the teaching processes, and it can help them establish themselves a lot more, I think, too. Yeah, and we actually do team um, team sessions where essentially it looks like a class, right? Okay. It looks like a class with uh, the people that we have here and just client dogs. So I'll have a dog out. Uh, everyone, it'll, typically Fridays are our big day where we have everybody, you know, it just, yeah. everybody's on, on schedule for that day and we will get the dogs out. Uh, every, so we'll have essentially, uh, six, seven, eight dogs out at one time that we're all working and I'm watching them work the dog. They're watching me. I can, dem- I can demo something with the dog that I have. We can switch dogs back and forth Mm -hmm. uh, and they get a ton of on the job training on days like that because uh, we're able to do that in that group, that group format, which is really cool then because you know, the information that they're getting is coming right from you and you know that the information they're getting is what you want them to hear. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, if, you know, we just, that's, that's our big thing. And now keeping, and I said all that to say this, we do have everybody here could do a take home session if they had to, Yeah, you know, sure. some of them are more introverted, you know, um, some of them don't want to deal with people. Right. Um, but everybody has the knowledge base, whether they have the personality for it or not, they could explain the system. They know it that well that they could explain the system. Um, they may not be as quick on their feet. Like if somebody threw them a curveball question, they would have to think about it for a minute. It wouldn't come second nature to them. But uh, they all have that knowledge base and they, they could all do a take home session if they had to. Yeah. You know, they could all they could all talk to a client if they had to. But some of them honestly just don't feel comfortable right now in their career being able to talk. Whereas I like I like to go do events. I like to uh, I like to teach a lot from, you know, stages and things. And I, I like a lot of people and I'm OK with that. Some of them here are just like. I don't even want to talk to one person. Like, just let me, let me handle the dog. I'll bring the dog to you and I'll walk away. You know, um, that's a hard hurdle to get past too, you know, is the, is that client communication side of things. Like we talked about, I mean, a lot of times training the dog is the easy part. And frankly, a lot of the people that get into being dog trainers are a little bit more introverted and they like working with the dogs and they like kind of the solitude of having just hours of just being able to work by themselves and pull dogs out and train them and stuff like that. Then you stick them in front of the client sometimes. And it's like, you could like freeze initially, especially when you start getting, you know, a lot of questions or if things start going a little rocky and you start getting the owner kind of maybe pushing back on what you're saying a little bit and stuff. Those are such interesting hurdles to navigate. And, you know, 
I think there's something about being humble too, where like, you know, a couple of our trainers, like still, you know, if a client asks them a question and they're like, you know, I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, you know, they'll come and they'll find me or they'll find uh, another trainer or something like that to be able to like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this question? So they can get the appropriate information and go back and give it to them. Uh, but yeah, it definitely takes a certain kind of person to, to be that. I've always been really comfortable speaking with people. I think I got, when I first started working at the the first dog training kennel, I got kind of thrown in with the wolves with it where I would uh, like shadow lessons with the guy I was working for. And he would just like in the middle of the lesson, just like get up and just like peace out and just fucking leave. <laughs> and he'd leave me there and he'd just be like, all right, well, yeah, you, why don't you go over, go over teaching the good marker with the sit stay or something like that. And I'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I guess we're going to do this now. So but, but yeah, a lot of times that is the, that is the best way. That's how I learn. Yeah. And that's the best, that's the best way to go about doing it. But, um, but it, it, it's always funny to see, um, how how different people relay the same information 100%. you know and there are some people that that come here and i pretty i feel like i can pretty much communicate and vibe with anybody sure. like if they have a very alpha mentality or if they've got a very you know kind of suppressed uh you know passive personality i can i can adjust to yeah. where i can speak to most everybody but uh some people definitely just have that one style and if they run up if you have somebody that is more introverted and, and very passive, uh, very beta. And then they have that client that is that alpha mentality. And they just, you know, kind of really start to try to drive the conversation yep. and drive the drive everything. It just does not work out well, yeah. you know? 100%. Um, so I don't, I don't want to put people in those positions at this, at this point, because I mean, that could, <laughs> I can only imagine, man, that would freaking just wreck you know, wreck somebody if yeah. they had this douche of a client that's <laughs> wanting to tell you what they do and all this other stuff. And yeah. whereas I'm like, I mean, you can do that, but you see where it landed you, yeah. you know, where, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but then the personalities are just very conflicting. So no, yeah. I hope to be there one day where we just have this, this, uh, this team. And now keep in mind, I mean, and, and please don't take what I'm saying out of context because our team is amazing. Of like, course. I, I, yeah, can't yeah. brag, I can't brag on them enough. Yeah. Uh, but there, but I do know that there are certain skill sets that some of them just don't have at the moment, sure. but we're continuing to work on that. Of course. And I mean, listen, like you, you know, you've been training dogs for a decent amount of time. I've been training dogs for a decent amount of time. Like these individual skills take so much time to develop. Right. And you've also, again, like we talked about at the beginning, you've built a fucking monster of a company in a very short period of time. Right. So like you're already significantly further ahead of the curve than I was like, for what was it six years six years into things something like that yep. you know like you're you're crushing it right now so i think that um i think all of the steps you're taking are the steps that your team needs you to take right like like you were talking about like you know switching right away and having individual things like there's so much benefit to the way that you're doing things now and that's why i wanted to talk about things because you're kind of at this point you've 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 done all this stuff that i think is really really important knowledge for a lot of new trainers to hear that i'm a lot i'm a lot further disconnected from some of that at this point so it's harder for me to relay that information uh not being as in that stage you know what i mean um right. so so i think that i think that's really really cool um so <laughs> I, th I think I remember a couple of years ago, you starting to get into like the working dog stuff and posting a lot about tracking and narcotics detection and, you know, obviously the bite work and stuff like that. How did you transition into those types of things? Cause that always, especially you were talking about, you have a couple of dogs that have been placed with like local departments and stuff that 
I was never super, super involved in, but I know from people that were involved in it can be a very difficult field to get into if you actually look at like really working with police departments and stuff like that. Like a lot of times they tend to work solely with people that are police canine trainers and stuff like that. Yeah, bridging that gap, uh, crossing that bridge was tough in the beginning. But what I did is I went to a couple decoy camps. I went to one of the largest um, companies on the East Coast, Southern Coast Canine, and um, went through some of their stuff. And they were very, they were very reluctant at first to let a civilian come in and, and do sure. anything because typically everyone there is either law enforcement or prior military. Like you have, those are prerequisites in order to go through anything that they have. But I talked them into letting me come down for a decoy seminar and, um, they, I did. And, and it was one of those things that through the course of me getting to know some people down there, knowing the owners, um, and I was telling them I wanted to get into detection and they said, well, you know, we have this big seminar coming up in November or whatever, you know, you're welcome to come down to, do you have a dog that you've even built yet? And I said, yeah, I'm in the process of building one now. And they said, okay, come down. And the dog, and I still have him today. Um, he, he was a board and train that they just decided they didn't want anymore. And so I just took the dog and he's one hell of a detection dog, but I went down there with the knowledge of building the dog, but not the knowledge of actually handling the dog in that kind of situation. So, yeah. um, but they saw that potential and man, this guy, did you build this dog? And the, I said, yeah, you know, hundred percent. Like this was a board and train. He just showed up one day and now he's doing this. And yeah. uh, they're like, that's, you know, pretty amazing. You know, why don't you, why don't you need to go to handler school? You know, they said, you just, you definitely need to go to handler school so you can understand what the dog is doing in odor, out of odor, uh, what sources where. Uh, where what scent cones look like and, you know, how, how air and wind uh, disrupt this kind of stuff. And, and so I put myself through a four week handler school down there and just gained so much knowledge on handling a detection dog that, um, that now, and I continue to do that. It's not, it's not like that was okay. I checked the box on that. I mean, I continue to put myself through seminars and clinics and things like that. And I've actually been invited uh, to host seminars and clinics. And we put on uh, workshops for, for uh, police canine teams and, and things of that nature. And so it's kind of like, it's, it's very, di- it was very difficult to get in. Yeah. It was very difficult to show up and yeah, say, yeah. Hey, I'm a, I'm a dog trainer and I'm going to work your police dog. And they're like, no way. Like yeah, until yeah. they actually start to see that you're, you're serious about what you're doing yeah. and you actually understand uh, every aspect of from, everything from like a, a tactical situation on where people need to be, where the dog needs to be, what needs to be taking place, uh, how to read a dog. Uh, once, but once you get in there and you start to say, Hey man, I'm just here to help. Like, I'm not asking for anything from you. I'm just asking, I, I'm just trying to help you because yeah. you're the ones out there on the front lines. And then, you know, I've, I've positioned myself with some really great companies that, um, have, I have been able to learn from. And now because of that, they see what I'm doing. And so they, they like I said, well, I will actually reach out for me to come and teach, teach things. Uh, we've yeah. got a big event over in Savannah uh, next weekend that, um, that I got invited to come and instruct at, you know? So it's just, yeah. it's just one of those things, but I would say, man, building a detection dog, building a tracking dog, building an apprehension canine, doing bite development with, with dogs and young puppies, 
Um, I have engulfed myself in that. And dude, if you can build a narcotics detection dog and you know what behavior looks like or a tracking dog, especially a tracking dog, and you know what change behavior looks like, you know what happens when the dog is in odor, out odor, uh, sit down, place, heel here. It just becomes very, very simple. Like yeah. it's almost like a, um, as you get better with jujitsu, um, it, things start to slow down a lot, yeah. you know, like you get in there as a white belt and you're freaking out because you're at the bottom of, you know, somebody and, and you, you got them in guard, but they're just pummeling you. And then once you ha have gained experience in that and, and, and grappled with some brown belts and some blue belts and purple belts and, and things of that nature, then things start to slow down. So I would say dealing with the working dogs has really made me a lot better as a pet trainer yeah. because everything is so much faster in the working dog world. You know, I think yeah. you and I had the conversation one time about the Malinois and you're like, yeah, man, I've got a Malinois. And the drawback to that is everything is a thousand miles an hour. It's yeah. like, Hey, let's go outside. You know, the dog is, <laughs> off outside. it's like, uh, damn man, calm down. You yeah, know? Yeah. So the dog, one of my personal dogs that I have that I get off, I got offered an immense amount of money for this, but I turned him down just because I know nobody else wants this dog. Yeah. Like he is just, you let him out of the crate. He's, he comes out, he's got his chest up. He barks a few times. He may bite you just randomly, you know, just out of drive, yeah, yeah. you know, nobody wants this stuff, but yeah. he's an absolutely amazing dog. His sure. obedience is good. He's got great detection. He's actually my uh, patrol demo dog. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's just a different world. And if you, yeah. if you can, if you can deal with that and you can work with that kind of um, kind of mentality dog, then training pet, I mean, my pet training ability has just skyrocketed since playing around with working dogs Yeah, just because it gives you a different perception on uh, a, a different avenue of training for sure. Yeah, 100%. But as, far as, but as far as getting breaking into that, it was very difficult as a civilian yeah. um, to not. But, but what's, what's great is once – I get there and, and they don't really, this thing about law enforcement officers, man, they don't really care about your certifications. No. They don't care about yeah. your schooling. They care. Can you help me? Yeah. Right. Can you help me? And my big thing is I like to teach from the suit. I, I am a, I'm totally comfortable with a dog being on my arm, working on his, working on his grip while I'm instructing the handler what to do. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that can do that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of the name Carlos Ramirez. He's very good at teaching from the suit. Yep. And he, life slows down. And he says, you know, and he's this big <laughs> giraffe looking guy and he's like six, five or whatever. But, uh, you know, and his personality is is very strong. But at the same time, when he's dealing with law enforcement officers, he's able to be very uh, deliberate in his words and say, look, this is what you're doing. This is what the dog is doing. This is what you need to be doing in order for the dog to be doing something else. Yeah. And I have really gravitated towards being able to teach from that, from that position. Yeah. And I think that, that I think they appreciate, I think law enforcement appreciates uh, me doing that because I can take a break from that whole militant, like, I'm better than everybody else attitude and say, Hey sure. man, I'm just here to help, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, and so that, that has landed me in some positions where I have met some really cool people. I'm part of some really neat organizations that are doing some big things in patrol work in law enforcement tracking. Uh, just, I, I, and again, because of my addictive personality, I'm constantly putting myself in, uh, in the position to learn. Yeah. So I'm always putting myself through schools. I just got, 
back from a week-long tracking sort of um, seminar with Georgia Canine, who's, in my opinion, probably the go-to tracking school in the nation right now. I mean, they're just phenomenal. And uh, I have just been able to expand my knowledge base on stuff like that. And if you don't go in there with an attitude, and I, you see it all the time, man. Dog trainers, we're like freaking hairstylists, man. Everybody <laughs> wants to like downplay what somebody else is doing. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. and keep in mind, like we see some really stupid shit. Yeah. Right? Like I, I, I look on the internet, and I'm like, this guy clearly has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> um, but I try to be not like that, right? Sure. I, I try yeah, to yeah. say, hey, look. This is where my knowledge base is. I'll do everything I can to work with you and help you. Yeah. Uh, but if it gets to be out of my scope, then, you know, we'll go find somebody else. Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm very humble when it comes to that. But uh, but I try to never I don't want to ever be the least educated guy in the room. You know, so sure. I make sure that I'm at a place uh, where I can teach you about tracking. I can teach you about bite work. I can teach you about narcotics before I put myself in a position where you know, I'm, I'm going to be saying something stupid. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, a couple of points you made throughout that. So one was, um, you know, how much of a better pet dog trainer that it's made yet. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I, you know, again, I wasn't involved in the tracking, the detection. We did a little bit of detection here and there, but that was really more my partner that did it than anything. Um, but uh, just anytime you go from teaching, like you were saying, basic commands, place, bed, down, this, that, right, to more complex behaviors and needing to really be able to understand and hone your marking skills on like fine little changes in the dog's behavior and capture those moments and stuff like that, that makes all that stuff 10 times easier. And then the other thing you were talking about was like the teaching from the suit thing, right? So um, – both literally from the standpoint of like when you're in that bite suit and you have a dog that's like on it, that's like biting you and stuff like that. Like that's a, a very, uh, it's a very surreal moment the first time that it happens. And you realize one, like how much more painful it is than it looks like you think you have this giant like suit on you and it's like totally protecting you. And then you take it off and you got like bruises all over your fucking arms and stuff like that. Right. right. Um, so, so being able to work through that, obviously massive, massive, um, skill that it takes, especially in your, you're doing it way more than I ever did it, obviously. And then, um, past that, right. It's, it's kind of teaching under pressure is really the skill that's challenging with it, right? Like literally the dog is on you, which is a lot of pressure and, 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 and a lot of stuff going on. But then you could equate that to in the send home lesson, when you're needing to work the dog, the dog may be making mistakes more frequently because the owner's present there. The owner is putting external pressure on you, whether it's a difficult client or whether they're just asking a lot of questions and you need to be able to split your brain into like so many different avenues. And the more you could put yourself in scenarios where you're forced to make that happen, the better it's going to make you as a trainer, because there's so many pieces you're juggling at all times when you're working with dogs. Uh, and that, that's super cool. That's super, super cool. Yeah. I would say if somebody, if you had somebody that, um, that was a new trainer kind of coming up, wanting to, wanting to get into this, I mean, and I get asked this quite a bit. Um, I'll give you a, a funny uh, not so funny at the time story, but, uh, we had a gentleman that came out here that had me train his, um, his German shepherd and then train his Husky. Yep. And at that time we were doing visitation every weekend. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you and I actually had this conversation when it happened. Um, that's the reason we, we now have non-competes, but obviously we're not having clients sell non or sign non-competes. Sure. But this gentleman came out every single weekend, whether it was raining, it didn't matter. He was just here 
working his dog, understanding the system, this, that, and the other. And um, after he took his dog home, uh, or his second dog home, and keep in mind, he had eight weeks of visiting with those dogs, working his dogs, he decided he wanted to be a dog trainer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he lived an hour and a half from sure. here. And he said, Hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually found out I'm really good at training dogs. Yeah. Like, You're like, well, we, like, we trained your dog for you, though. I was like, well, I mean, I wouldn't guess that's a bit of a stretch. I wouldn't say you're good at training dogs. I would say you're good at handling the dogs that are already trained, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you may be really good at marking behavior and sure. correcting that and the other because you've gone through eight weeks of this. Yeah. Um, Which is a prerequisite that we look for, obviously. You know, like if we're yeah. looking to hire trainers, so that's good. But yeah, no, yeah. good. Sorry. I said, look, man, um, I'll do you a solid. I, since you're there, uh, if you need anything, let me know. I'll help you out. You know, just because I've had sure. people such as yourself that in my path that was like, and of course you're way up in Cleveland, but at the same time, you could have said, no, man, I'm not taking your call. I'm not helping you out. You know, you're, you're a competitor, right? Sure. So, but I, so same thing. I said, you know what? I said, if you want to do this, I'll help you out as much as I can. Feel free to call. I'll give you some advice. Maybe make, you won't, you'll, you won't make as many mistakes as I did. Uh, well then, all that to say this a couple months later, Hey man, this, that, and the other happened. I'm going to be moving. And it just so happens that I'm going to be moving in the County right next to you. Um, I said, okay, well, uh, it's clear. I can't help you anymore. You yeah. know, I mean, that's just, I'm not that nice of a guy, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and so long story short, he ended up getting in over his head. He didn't go through what we're, we're one of the only dog trainers in this area. That's actually licensed to the state of agri- uh, the state of Georgia, their agriculture department um and you have to have that if you're taking money and you're housing dogs you have to have you have to be licensed to the agriculture department of georgia um but anyway long story short had some things some very unfortunate things go down with some some dogs the department of ag came in basically shut the guy down you know and now he's back doing whatever he's doing um so all that to say this i am very careful about um what i teach to who okay but back to the new trainers up and coming I, my first thing is this is like, don't get, don't get in over your head. Like don't do what I did. Like don't walk out and have that moment where you got 23 dogs staring at you and you have no idea what to do. Uh, and you have that freak out moment, uh, put yourself through some sort of schooling, even though dog, the dog industry is the most unregulated, uh, industry out there. There's nobody saying that what we're doing is right. There's nobody that is a governing body saying you have to have this, this, and this certification in order to be a dog trainer. Uh, but take those steps and actually go and learn for your, from yourself, get in contact with people such as yourself and pay them for their knowledge, pay them for those, those, that time where you can sit on the phone with them and round table about stuff. Don't get it over your head. And if you don't know, if you don't know something, it's dog training is not a fake it till you make it profession. Like you need to know what you're doing before you put yourself out there to work with other people's dogs because dogs don't take days off. They always have to be fed. They always have to be walked and watered. And, uh, and people are trusting you with essentially, and I don't get into this, but a (laughs) member of their family, you know, I, I I cannot tell you how many people, how many women I have asked, did you actually give birth to this dog? And they're like, well, no, that's crazy. I'm like, it is crazy. It's about as crazy as you referring to it as your baby, right? So <laughs> get that out of your mindset. Yeah, yeah. This is dog, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but people are trusting you with something that they It's they one of the most important high. thing to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They hold very high. So you want to make sure you treat them, treat them right. Yeah. But um, 
but yeah, man, that, that would be, that would be the biggest piece of advice for somebody that's up and coming is to make sure you go through the proper channels, make sure you get what, get, get with your state, make sure you have whatever licenses you have to have. Um, and, and make sure you're actually actively learning and you're continuing to do so because yeah. I think people see you, um, that's what drew me to you in the beginning is I see, I saw the videos you were putting up. I saw how the dogs were operating. I was like, man, this guy clearly knows what he's doing, but that's only 45 seconds of what you do during a whole day, you know, and they see that and they think, man, that's like, I know, I know this guy saw that we had 20 dogs here at X amount of dollars per dog. And they did the math and he was like, I can do this. I can do this. This looks so easy. Like, yeah, it looks easy when I'm doing visits and take home sessions. It's the other you know, uh, 23 hours of the day that you're, I don't think you're going to like too much, yeah. but, um, there's a lot of, pre- a lot of pressure, you know, and, and it's one of those things where we see this too with, uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, if somebody thinks that they've got that in them where they really want to go and do something on their own, you know, I'm all for it. There's a, uh, there's, there's one trainer in particular that worked for me a long time ago who owns and runs a very successful dog training business in, in the Cleveland area right around the corner from us at this point, you know? And, you know, I, I knew it from the second that I met her that, like, that was in her personality for it, you know? And, right. and I don't, I don't want to crush that at all. You know what I mean? I, I'm all for that. But the conversation I have with people that are thinking about getting into the industry is, I mean, you and I have had numerous phone calls about, you know, serious issues that I've experienced that you've experienced, like all sorts of stuff that it takes a very, very, very strong, emotionally stable person to be able to handle some of the ups and downs of this industry, especially when you give the fact that no matter what, because they're dogs, because people perceive them like they're their children, um, there is so much more emotion attached to absolutely everything that we do, you know? Uh, and, and you got to be prepared to receive that emotion from the client side of things uh, over sometimes the seemingly most little things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I completely agree. Uh, listen, man, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. Um, this has been awesome. I think this is a super, super uh, productive podcast for a lot of people to do. And we'll definitely have to do this again because I want to get more into like the actual training side of things. I think this is a really great uh, just kind of like businessy podcast for new trainers and stuff. Josh, you got any questions or anything you want to ask? I feel like you've been you've been just chilling over there. Yeah, I, I'm just taking it all in. You know, <laughs> this kind of applies. I, I guess this is a good one for you because like, you know, obviously you have your own business as well. Josh obviously has a, a media company uh, that he does, you know, uh, mm-hmm. product photography work, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I guess some of this stuff does kind of correlate to things that you're kind of going through too. No, it does for sure. Especially the, uh, when you said price, you know, not to be mean, but to price out people to kind of bring your amount of work down, you know, I, I, I'm at that point right now with myself where it's like, Okay, I can't take all these guys anymore. I have to I have to raise the prices cuz the mm-hmm. quality, you know, and that's the other thing too is like I've noticed like where my quality's at, like I have to coincide that yeah. with my pricing too. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting point cuz like you were saying, you know, like you're doing like 20 dogs, right? We're doing right now just under that. We're doing 12 we're doing 18 boarding trains at a time. Um yeah, amongst all of us obviously. And 
that's a lot of fucking dogs, man. And, and, you know, luckily we get it done obviously. And, and our product has been phenomenal and stuff, but even lately, especially like our space is not huge. And unfortunately, man, you're, I, I envy your position of being able to not necessarily live <laughs> at the dog training kennel, but, um, I envy the position of being able to, like you were talking about, put up a, a new building to put in like a grooming area and stuff like that. Like, man, I, I, I definitely want to hit that point someday where we have uh, some land that we could start doing some of that stuff with. Um, but we're in a small space and it's like, you know, I've even considered recently uh, continuing to start to increase rates again to try to bring that number down a little bit so that we could just have less dogs here and do more with those less dogs that we have in the facility, you know? Uh, and yeah. and it's, a, it's a constant juggle. It's like we want to help as many people as we can. You know, people are coming to us for our service, but it's like, <laughs> you know, unless you're planning on scaling to the moon, you know, it, it gets increasingly more difficult to do that. Yeah, I would definitely say that um, I didn't I don't want to look at it so much as a I'm trying to price people out, but I know the quality of work that we do. Yeah. Uh, And I think we've even had this conversation before and you said, man, for everything that you do, you're really not charging as much as you need to, you know, and and so uh, it's just like with Josh and his media company, if he has a certain um, a certain quality that he's trying to hit with every single client, there's just no way he can do that. Like I could not. Uh, it's, it's, you couldn't run a hundred dogs through a boarding train and the quality be there. There's no way. Right. So you have to look at your time, what time you're putting into the dog, what time you're putting into each and every dog. What is this time actually worth? And is it going to be something that's going to be represented, uh, representing of the company? Mm -hmm. Um, or do I want to just keep this lower rate and work a hundred different dogs and there, none of them are going to turn out to where they're going to represent what the company is all about. So yeah. yeah, from, I would say that that is applicable across the board, no matter what kind of company you run, you, you, uh, you hate to use the phrase pricing people out. Cause that's mm-hmm. not what it's all about. But at the same time, uh, cause we have people, man, we have some very, very, very great clients where some of them, the, the price of our board and train is in the freaking console of their car at yeah. all times. But mm-hmm. then we also have those people that just, man, Hey, this is my paycheck. I'm I'm putting this with my other paycheck and here, here, here it is. And you, I mean, literally they're, they're putting coins with it and, and you can tell those people, you're like, damn, man, they believe in this, you know? And, and so that's, that's kind of where we're at with that, but it's not necessarily pricing people out as much as it is. We know the quality of work that we produce and and still, I mean, our prices, man, we, we still are at least, um, you know, half the national average as far as dog training goes. And we know that, but it's just, we're able to book out for a couple months ahead of time. Yeah. And so we know that work is going to be there. So it's not that, it's not that we uh, are against raising the price, which we will, we're going to have to, I mean, the hell the way the world's going right now, everything is so much more expensive. <laughs> Collars are more expensive. Yeah. yeah. I just got an email from, uh, e-collar technologies last month that says, Hey, we're going up. It's going to be about $25 a unit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, we can't, we can't take that, you know, we have to send that all the down the line, unfortunately, you know? So, I mean, it's inevitable that prices are going to be going up. I mean, gas prices, I mean, you guys, since I don't have to travel to work, I, (laughs) I, I can pretty easy, but but gas prices, man. So we're gonna have to go up on wages to help people, you know, get to get to work and stuff like that. So, um, uh, the pricing man is just one of those things that you look at, what's my quality, like what, what is my worth? Uh, what is my work worth? And then, you know, we kind of go from there, but it is a struggle 
to figure out because some people will call and they'll ask the price and I'll talk to them about price, which I never try to make it about the price. Yeah. But um, they'll say, "Woo, yeah. that's high." <laughs> like, well, it's it's high to you because you don't know what this stuff costs. Sure. And then some people, like I literally had a lady from Atlanta call me and she was like, "Are you a legit company?" And I, was like, uh, I was like, I think so. We're doing our best. So, your prices are so low yeah. compared to everybody else yes. that I've looked at. But your website looks really good. You look like you do great work. I just want to make sure if this is a legit company. Is real? Not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you have those come, you have those com- conversations. You're like, damn, man, maybe I need to go up on my prices just yeah. so I look more legitimate. You know, it's, but you know, and the the thing is too, like, I think pricing people out is, yeah, I think that's the wrong word for it because, like, I've always followed the general principle of, and I think this is one of the first things I told you is, I stay is low as I can with my prices until I'm as busy as I want to be. Right. And then when I hit that point where I'm as busy as I want to be, whether it's a five week wait list and, and full dogs, you know, throughout it, I continue increasing until I see that number start to come down from where I want to be. And then I figure out where that point is, you know? Um, and you know, yes, like we're going to have to continue increasing rates, but as long as you know, some of my best clients I've ever had are people that I know absolutely could not afford our program right now, you know, and they've sent me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of referrals. You know what I mean? So they've been wonderful people. And you could tell when you talk to them over the phone, if they're that kind of person or not. And listen, I will never, if somebody genuinely needs our help and seems like that kind of person that I want to work with, I'll figure out a way to help them out. You know, that's the yeah, position we're in where we can make those adjustments as we need to. And then past that, you know, you, you have, uh, other, you know, th- things in different price points. You could help people like our virtual consults we've been doing lately have been massively beneficial for people. Listen, it's not the same experience as if you sent your dog to a four week board and train with us, obviously, right. but we could definitely help you get past a lot of your, uh, general, you know, issues that you're having and get you, you know, into a much more manageable place with your dog for, an unbelievably cheaper rate, you know? And then obviously the content, like you put out a lot of content, we put out a lot of content, stuff like that. Like there, there's plenty of ways we can continue to help those people where we're not totally pricing them out. It's just, yeah, you got to do what's best. Obviously you're, you know, you're, we're trying to grow companies here as well. So. Well guys, cool. I appreciate the time, man. Absolutely. We definitely need to get this going. Cause there, there is a lot of stuff that we didn't get to cover just cause we were catching up so much. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on to the podcast. You guys are, doing an amazing thing and uh david i appreciate you as a not only as a as a uh a business person but a personal friend of mine dude i appreciate it um yeah we'll uh we'll talk to you here soon let you get back to work uh and we'll have all the links and stuff uh where people can find you obviously in the descriptions and everything so sounds good cool all right guys all right man Yep. yep have a good one hell yeah